my biggest strength is how relatable and likable I can be. But I've used it in so many horrible, disgusting ways. I've used my gift to control people. I use my gift to get away with whatever the fuck I wanted. I use my gift to manipulate situations to make me look like the good guy. You're a scumbag. You're a liar. You're an alcoholic, addict, and a psychopath. I actually convinced myself that I was one of the good guys. I know it's in me somewhere, but it's buried. Nobody wanted anything to do with me because I was a piece of shit. I had a phenomenal upbringing. I was taught to live my life with morals, integrity, the whole nine yards. And unfortunately, you cannot teach the switch to flip off. When that switch turns on, it doesn't matter what you tell me, it doesn't matter what I learned when I was five years old, I will get high every single time because it is me, me, me. This is just a public service announcement to maybe some parents that are listening to this podcast. If you feel any guilt whatsoever of cut the shit right now, you are not the culprit. There's nothing in the world that you could have taught them better, told them better, showed them better, that was going to stop your child from getting high. I don't want to say I didn't, I wasn't thinking what I was doing was wrong. I thought I was just doing what I had to do to survive at the time. Please don't be mad at me. The days of hiding from my problems stop now. The days of giving up on myself stop now. The days of me destroying relationships just so I could feel something stop now. Even if we're monsters in our act of addiction and we can't fathom the shit we've done, we are all worth it. We are all worth it to see those sober days. Welcome to a new episode of An Addictive Perspective. If you like what you hear, please go in and subscribe so you know when the new episodes are coming out. Enjoy the episode. All right, so I guess we'll start the podcast off then. This is episode 14 of the podcast. I realize I didn't say in the last episode what episode we were on, but I figured you get the picture when I posted it. Um, we have a very special guest today. We have our buddy, our boy, the music extraordinaire, Mr. Engineer, Mr. Big Brain, Mr. I don't even know what else you'd call him, Rob. Wow. Let it be known. We, uh, Rob, we've been talking about getting Rob on a podcast for a while. Ever since we started this, Rob has, uh, asked if, uh, he, he just gave, gave a, not a self invite, but more of like a, Hey, if you ever need a guest to uh, throw in there, if you, if you, you're missing on some guests and want to have me on, I'll come on. And I you said, okay, well, out. like when you see a hot chick at the bar, but you know, she's too hot for you. It's just like, Hey, I'm over here. You know, if you get bored, <laughs> I'm still going to be over here. And, and, and you know, you're married, but you, you also are like, well, if anything ever to happen after a, appropriate amount of time i'll probably hit that chick up eventually yeah you put her in your men you put her in your mental bank of like, yeah you, you know, don't yeah you don't but you don't put her in your phone you you put it on a piece of paper in your wallet and if someone so asks what's that from not you yeah if you like if you <laughs> i do i do not endorse this message <laughs> dude, neither a, does rob dude no completely joking uh becca don't kill me um, but so episode 14, 
We have Rob on. Uh, we're going to start out the podcast like we always do with what we're thankful for. Today, I'm thankful for the uh, really easy to use restart button because Matt um, had a hell of a time getting on the podcast. Uh, these two buffoons really screw with me every week when we go to record this podcast. And he just thought, oh, I'll hit the restart button on my computer. And look at that. It worked. So shout out to the restart button. I'm thankful for the restart button. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Um... All right. Hi, everybody. Matt here. Um, I am thankful for... <laughs> I'm thankful for Josh's patience. Uh, I'm thankful for Taylor's face, and I'm thankful that Rob's, Rob's that dude with the dark rim glasses that you see on one of these things, and you're just like, you know what? I gotta get into this, that guy's brain. Also, before I forget, my mom's birthday is this Friday. Very Ooh. thankful for the matriarch of my family. Um, very, very special relationship with my mother. Um, and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. So, yo, shout out to Susie and thank you for the pics that you send me every year on my birthday, Susie. Hell yeah. Little piece of clothing comes off each year. I appreciate that. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, Matt. He's 31 now. So, how many pieces of clothing do you have? There ain't much left, just some body pins. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm ungrateful for the way that this, the, the term that we're on right now. It's weird the uh, conversation with Caitlin L. didn't start this way. I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the what kind of treatment I'm getting wrong. here. All right, go ahead, Taylor. What are you thankful for? Uh, I'm thankful for this weather, dude. Like, summer's just not it. Anybody who picks summer over the winter or fall is grotesque to my book. <laughs> walk out. For real, you walk out at 8 in the morning to go to work and you're sweating already. Love, 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 love this weather. Dude, I'm grotesque to that bucko because your boy Damn. loves himself some sunshine. Dude, summer's disgusting. I hate that shit. AC me. Dude, that's because you, to... you're a real life cube. Like you're a perfect square. Why would you like hot weather? You melt. You do, do. just look like you sweat. Like... <laughs> I do. I have, <laughs> I have the forehead sweat. State. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, bottles do condensate quite a bit, and he is the shape of a bottle. So, yeah. all right, Rob, what are you thankful for? All right, um, I'm just gonna go with the generic. Uh, Thankful for my health and uh, thankful to spend some time with some people catching up. I uh, I don't get a lot of uh, social interaction these days, so I'm thankful for this. Hell yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So, um, Rob, I believe you wanted to uh, uh, come on. You had a few, uh, some, I guess, experiences with um, addiction, alcoholism, not with yourself, obviously. Um, but you had some life experiences. Also, uh, you're an avid listener of the podcast. So uh, with you being a and you listen to tons of podcasts and tons of stand up comedy on the podcast world. Um, so I think you can give us some advice in this podcast, too, and maybe shit on us a little bit if you want to. It's OK to have a little roast party, roast session if you need to with us. Dude, I haven't um, been roasted in ages. Like. <laughs> I, I'm a people pleaser and a positive guy, so you're not going to hear that from me. I find that hard to believe, Matt. So, um, <laughs> But first off, we do want to start out with Rob Alexander does have an album coming out this Friday. Um, so I want to talk about that a little bit before we get into our podcast, Robbie. So why don't you go ahead and just tell the people what it's called, where they can find it, um, and have your shameless plug. 
and we're going to plug it like 15 times in this episode. So you go ahead and let us know what it, where it will be and what it's called. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. Uh, definitely not a shameless plug. I have much shame. Um, but yes, uh, Robbie Alexander um, and the album is Time is a River. It's going to be on Spotify, Amazon Music, um, pretty much any streaming. I'm going to try to have it on Bandcamp or somewhere that um, if people want to download it or whatever, it doesn't cost anything because iTunes and all the other ones charge. And I just like people to try to listen to it. So uh, that's my plug. So you're saying it's going to be free, free 99? Free 99. If I can get people to listen to like 30 seconds, then I feel like I've accomplished something. Because... We'll, uh, we'll share the sample that you posted today as well on the, uh, oh, thanks, man. the page. And then when, uh, when it comes out, we'll share the link to it. Um, we're always happy when somebody's making or creating art or, or just doing something with their lives. When's the last time you made an album all on your own? Uh, it's been, well, one that I put out 13 years, I did one like 10 or 11 years or so two years after two years sooner than that. But I actually lost that one when uh, purevolume.com got wiped. Oh no. I put it on there and then the server is gone. So that happened to my MySpace playlist too. Uh, yeah. Luckily Hollywood dead survived long enough that I can still listen. Oh to them. God. <laughs> Thankfully my MySpace profile disappeared with whatever. <laughs> Music was on there. So, so if people uh, would be interested in listening to it, or to get people interested in listening to it, I should say, what what style would you consider uh, the album to be? Um, I would say acoustic. Everything I on this, um, I'm doing two two albums this. Well, hopefully this year within a short period of time. This is the album that I wanted to do, basically all acoustic instruments or close to um so start with like acoustic guitars pianos stuff like that um little i added little stuff here and there like kind of icing on the cake stuff um so that's kind of the style um probably biggest inspiration band is uh singer songwriter noah gunderson um his stuff is just amazing so i've been trying to write stuff half that good for many years now who's noah gunderson what's he connected to so um, he's just a singer-songwriter. I heard about him through actually Sons of Anarchy. He did like a bunch of songs on their soundtrack back in the day. Oh, okay. Um, and he just has really put out really solid stuff. He's singer-songwriter guy, but then kind of adds in the elements and stuff. And it's not just like the boring, I don't know, for the avid acoustic stuff. For the avid listeners out there, that is two Sons of Anarchy references two podcasts in a row it's we true. had the last one was disrespectful and i did not appreciate it no chill rob the last one was true honesty equals love it's because you have been able to grow a lovely beard since you were very young dude i some of us struggle strap when i was a teenager just like every other baseball kid some of us struggle <laughs> so all right so 13 years um so you've been I know this. I know the answers to this stuff, but the people don't know the answers to stuff. You've been doing music a long time. Probably, I mean, you were a music yeah. guy from yep. what 12, 12 years old, thirteen years old on playing instruments, singing, all that yep. stuff, songwriting. Yep. Okay, fourteen. I started. I think first band was in like a couple months, just because of the arrogance of youth. You know. Yeah. I just. And you skipped out on the 
college route and get from the beginning to go and tour with your band in a van and everything, correct? Yep. I yeah, I skipped out um the first semester of college and then my parents were like, Maybe you should get it together, go to school and then I went to school for music recording for a year and then realized that there's no money in that. So then I switched stuff. So I've kind of always flirted with it and then I let it I let the music thing go and then I've like joined bands and then gotten too serious about it that I stopped enjoying it and then I don't do it for several more years. So this is kind of the cycle and, and we've been on the uh, good end of it for the last couple of years. So. Shout out Mesa Glow, his uh, most yes. recent band that he was in. I'm actually wearing the t-shirt right now. I don't know if you noticed, oh. but Dude, I yeah, want a t-shirt. I had to yeah. throw it on, you know. Dude. You ain't getting one of these. These Not a lot of these were made. Yeah, I don't uh, know if there's any left, but that's the only band t-shirt I've ever had that I wasn't kind of like embarrassed or has like the little like <laughs> If we actually spent money, this would be cool. I want to tank so, and make my own. That's awesome. <laughs> so I feel like I feel like the band world, like the underground music world, especially when you're not making a lot of money. Well, when you're making a lot of money too, is always that there's there's always that story of people on drugs or drinking a lot of alcohol or not necessarily just partying and all of that. Um, but did you run? did you have bandmates that were into substances and stuff when you first started and when you were traveling on the van? Yeah. I mean, the first band I played in, I mean, it was a bunch of like dorky kids from my youth group. So, I mean, we're <laughs> all like really nice, you know, like, not really, Molly like, crew, not, not quite. <laughs> no. um, so, I mean, that was kind of, you know, non-eventful, but when I started playing, you know, like in bands that actually we were trying to do something, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like when I was 18, they wouldn't let us drink at the, like, you know, they wouldn't let me drink at the bar cause they'd risk losing the license, but like the offer for Coke or whatever, you know, it was like kind of always assumed that, okay, you know, you can get drugs or like chicken fingers for free, but don't drink cause we'll lose our license kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think it's just such a part of that. Even now, I don't know, because people are like holding on to the rock star image that no one even does anymore. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely still a thing. Um, I, and like, I know, I know for a fact that you are the, um, you're definitely going to be the organizer of a band if you're in a band, uh, or at least helping for sure and take leadership. So did you have to kick anybody out of a band for like, drug use or alcohol use or anything like that? Or did you just kind of quit going to practice when you saw shit going haywire? Yeah. I mean, there was a band I quit because two guys got in a fist fight over some girl, like at, in our twenties, like seriously. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one band, yeah, that just like the one guy was doing drugs so much. I just said, I didn't want to be like involved. Not, not even cause I was being, I don't know, caring of the person, but it was just like, this is a complete waste of time kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, Mesa Glow, uh, which I still am playing in at some point, we're going to release our, our record and release our final album um, is the only band I've ever been in with people that are actual like mature, stable adults that this is kind of just like a hobby thing. I think a lot of people get into the, music stuff because you're either desperate for like approval or attention yeah so yeah it, it brings a lot of uh, those types of people you know out of the woodwork I, I met all the guys or all the people in mesa glow and they all seem like pretty level-headed people 
Um, yeah, boring, so, you know, just just nine to five life. Yeah, good good people, good people. Yeah. Um. So you have your. I don't. I don't know if you uh you or Matt or Taylor and Matt heard at all, but uh, Rob's coming out with a new album. Uh, it's coming out Friday. It's called uh, what's it called Rob? Time is a river. Okay. All right. I'm just making sure people know that it's coming out on Friday. Um, so <laughs> I do know, uh, what I say? No, I was, <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. So, um, I do know Rob that we kind of talked before when we talked about the podcast, just off air, just whenever you come over and hang out or I talk on the phone with you, you do have a, uh, a pretty interesting story about, um, a person that you knew that really struggled with, um, addiction. I don't know if you were willing to, to share that story. Um, obviously yeah. no names or anything like that, yeah. but um, just from a, from an outsider looking in uh, to addiction and, and not realizing what it was at the time, um, you know, that perspective, I think that'd be interesting to share. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, so you had said before, and it is true, I, I am an avid listener of the show. Um, so unfortunately, I am not uh, quite as fascinating as the tattoo dude, but uh <laughs> I, I definitely have been listening and I, I thought, you know, you've had very intelligent people on the topic on. Um, I'm definitely not qualified. I would assume there are lots of things that I assume about addiction that are probably wrong to this day. Um, but yeah, I had a very interesting experience um, in my late 20s with um, somebody that was uh, living with me, having a pretty severe uh, addiction that I wasn't aware of. Um, had known that person for a very long time, um, you know, had drank with them plenty of times. They had had a normal nine to five life, a um, little bit older than me, somebody I kind of looked up to. And uh, yeah, there were like some warning signs, you know, like that, that something was off. Um, I was traveling a lot for work and, um, I was home basically, you know, like maybe Friday night till Sunday morning, um, just kind of get back on the road. And, uh, the one time I was there, I hadn't seen him and I knew he had just started, he had just moved to Philly. So I knew he had started a job. Um, and I kind of went in my bathroom and noticed there was like throw up everywhere, like everywhere. And, uh, you know, I just, I'm a pretty naive person. Uh, I just was like, well, I make, maybe he was really sick and it was the middle of the night or something. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. And then um, he came home and he gave me some like excuse that in hindsight, you know, it was like, obviously makes no sense, but I just so was not, pre you know, paying attention to life other than getting from point A to point B. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and yeah, so uh, my now wife at the time, girlfriend, um, would go over and like kind of take care of my pets and stuff and said that she had run into him over there and he seemed like something was off. But I, I just, again, was not really thinking anything of it. Um, and then maybe, I don't know, six weeks goes by from that time period. And then I just happened to be home one weekend um, and, and went down to whatever, get something to eat or something. And just found him in the hallway, um, like half conscious, naked, uh, you know, just like covered in throw up and whatever else. And 
um, he had kept, you know, locking his, his door. And I thought, okay, maybe, you know, Hey, it's his room it's private or whatever. And like, um, he had some pets and they had like, you know, uh, done a number on the room. Um, and I just see like all these bottles laying around, you know, like, like Jack Daniels, like literally, you know, almost like stereotype, whatever. Um, and he proceeded to almost talk me into acting like it wasn't a big deal. Just like, oh, dude, I drank too much. Um, I, I just came out here to go to the bathroom and I, I, you know, I didn't even think to put my clothes on. I was so tired and out of it, you know, like whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I guess that, you know, that's really weird. And like, was so close to just talking me out of uh, even acting like something happened. Um, and my now wife or whatever, she is not about any, any games and was just like, no, this ain't happening. Like, what are you talking about? Whatever. And, um, so, you know, we, we got in contact with some of his family. Um, they came and picked him up and, uh, yeah, he, he lived maybe a year after that, but because of kind of complications from, you know, all his, his issues, he actually passed. Um, so it, it was, it was a very, even, even, um, even after he had left, it was like, he still had stories, you know, that it, it wasn't because of the drinking. It was, he had some, you know, physical complication and, and some other, it was just like this weird thing that you, again, as a naive person, um, have no idea that like somebody that you know could just change, you know, and be dishonest um so i don't know i thought it was kind of, like i i would listen to you know the people that you have on the podcast and that they'd kind of like yeah i mean taylor even you described like that you had your own warning signs look you know looking back and stuff um but me as like a naive person you know like i didn't grow up around anything like that um you know my parents don't drink like my parents don't smoke any, you know, any, anything of, of that, that kind of interest, even it's like, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely an eye opener, um, for me. And I just, uh, I do feel like it's something I try to kind of pass on to people that are not really, uh, you know, in the addiction space, I guess, you know, the people, everyday people that don't think about these kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. And I think these, these are the type of stories that, um, you know, <clears throat> slip under the rug. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of people don't, cause I almost feel like, like if you share it with people that knew your friend, um, it may come off as like, you're kind of tarnishing who they were as a person or tarnishing their legacy. Um, you know, that sort of thing. But I think it also can be, I mean, that, that's a pessimistic way of looking at it. I think if you want to look at it in an optimistic uh, view, viewpoint is there may be somebody else who is dealing with that with a family member or a friend or something like that. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's a warning to say, Hey, like this, if you see this going on or you notice something going on, get them help as early as possible, because it sounds like, you know, your friend was way too far along and way too far gone. And there's really nothing you could have done either. Um, you know, same thing happened with me with Taylor. You know, I didn't, I, when he was really getting into it, I didn't know. I was like, well, that's just, he's just partying. You know, that's what we did. You know, that's what we're doing in college and stuff. And, um, 
and then kind of it's like well i don't really want to be around that stuff so i'll i'll stop kind of going out of the way to hang out with him and you know he's he's hanging out with his boys who he does that with and you know it could have gone the same way with taylor and i you know i just that same thing could have happened um very very easily um <clears throat> and i realize now <clears throat> also that self-invitation is a term that I shouldn't have used at the beginning of the podcast because <laughs> I didn't mean that about that. Rob volunteered to come on to the podcast is the way I should have worded it. <laughs> Fucking because... dick. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't think of the word, so I just threw something fucking in there. Good. I was like, Rob's my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, Rob and I have had conversations about this, uh, you yeah. know, and he's told the story. Um, and, you know, knowing that he had, had the story he had volunteered to come on and, and speak about it and um i think it's a good story to share um especially from you know someone who didn't have a background in this or who has never dealt with addiction and from you know that viewpoint looking in it's it's kind of i i think it's a majority of people uh yeah. earthlings as matt and taylor like to call them that don't know what to do and don't know how to handle it now correct matt um as far as your path, because you know your your uh, your ticket was alcohol for sure for the most part. Obviously, cocaine you liked and you dabbled a little bit more, but uh, alcohol was your your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you start out drinking by yourself? No, correct. No, no, no. Um, I think the first time I actually got drunk by myself was after I got home from my first deployment and I was like living like I was living in a house with people and one of them was I was only 19 and one of them was 21 and he would just buy me cases but then everybody would just not be around and I was like well I've like I'm just gonna drink and I'm, you know that that started that yeah and did, like you were you getting drunk drunk like was it just hap- like when you started drinking by yourself were you getting like noticing like looking back on it now were you like well i probably blacked out to my by myself a few times or no honestly like- in the beginning of that like it was like it was like i was almost trying to put on more of a i was trying to portray that i was drinking more than i was like i was really i was really trying to own the whole alcoholic thing like party kid like I wanted to be known as the guy that was drinking. So yeah. I would like, it was like, I was, I've always been a people person. So it was harder for me to like actually drink by myself than it was with like, if I had people around that were also drinking, I was, I was making wizard sticks and having myself a time, but <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, it, it wasn't, it, it, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say like, it wasn't a problem then, but like I was, I was actively seeking it like it, at that time. Um, the whole drinking by myself where it became bad was like really bad was when the COVID thing happened and like whoever I was living with was at work. And I would, it was like, at that point it was like, I wouldn't even like really want to drink, but it was almost like before I knew it, I'd be eight claws in like a couple shots and be like, and on my way to the store to get more. That's yeah. like, that's like where his buddy was at. What I get, or at least in that ballpark of like, you, at, at some point you lose all control and you don't even really know what's happening. You just kind of, before you know, you're drunk again or you're trying to get drunk again. You know? Right. Right. And Taylor, you, you had said that you, you were just like, people would pass out and you just keep drinking. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the first time the age that I kind of started getting drunk by myself on a fairly regular basis was probably around the same time as Matt, like 19-ish probably. But yeah, I mean, at that point in time, though, you're surrounded by so many like-minded individuals. Everyone was drinking at that time. It was always mostly social drinking. But, but I mean, you yeah, built from- that, right? Like you guys yeah. built that around yourselves. Like for you, sure. I, hear what, I hear what Matt's saying about like, if everyone's around and we're partying, then I'm good and I can go, you know? And, and, um, but like, I feel like you put yourselves in that situation when you have a mindset of like an addictive or a, on your way to an addictive, um, you know, path that you put yourself in those situations as often as possible. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, I could almost venture to say that even the first time I picked up alcohol, I mean, I probably drank in the fashion of an alcoholic. Obviously, my resume wasn't built up by then, but, you know, like you said, I mean, the first couple of times I got drunk, I was drinking with other people, but they drank three and had a nice buzz and went to sleep, and I wanted to drink seven or eight to try to, you know more was always better for me. So, you know, I think even from the first time picking up alcohol, um, sure, my tolerance wasn't high or anything, but I definitely had chronic alcoholic behavior. Yeah. And, and you guys think, and this is a question for both of you, do you think it was, I think we've talked about this before, but for this episode and the, the topic we're on now and the story we just heard, is it more so, you think it was more so masking, like just, thinking about like yourself and being unhappy with yourself or was it more of like a, just a kind of switch that just went on? You know what I mean? Like Matt, you said during the COVID situation, like that's when it really started to go off. And I know you had some other things going on in your life. So was it like, no, I think that for, so when I started drinking, like, I mean, I hung out with partiers and I enjoyed myself for a while. Um, you know, and, I kind of, I think like even even when I knew like by the time I was like a couple years in the Navy and definitely by the time I moved to San Diego I knew that I drank more than most people do did but I was still just like I didn't think I had a problem you know what I mean I was just like this is just what I do like, I'm a partier I'm, you know that's I was built for this like my body can take it like that was my mindset but it wasn't like one of those things where I was consciously being like, I've got these things going on in my head, so I'm going to mask them or do that. Like, it was just, it was just where I found comfort, you know, like Taylor's talked about it. It was, it was the warm blanket of, you know, if I was happy, I knew how to get happier. If I was stressed, I knew how to get unstressed. If I was sad, I knew how to, you know, it, it just, it was my answer for everything. And the habits that I build up from the, parties thing like even when i was in the navy like yeah i the guys i drank with drank hard but they also went and played softball or went and played golf or went to the gym or like did other things i didn't like zero hobbies none like not for any longer than like a week or something or just to say i did it you know i just i was just drinking all the time and that carried over so by by the time that by the time I actually felt like I had a problem, it was about this time last year where I was like, like I, cause I was like, I want to, I, at this point I was like, my body was just so tore up, like stomach wise, mentally wise. And I was like, I want to stop. And I couldn't stop. 
and that, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But I don't, I, when you're in it, it's hard to get a bird's eye view of yourself when you're actively doing it. You know what I mean? Like everybody can tell you and everything, but you're like, instantly you put the defense mecha- mechanism up of like, I got drunk with you last Tuesday, you know, you, you know, so that was my take on it. It's just, you know, you, by the time typically, you know, you have a problem, you're either in trouble with the law or everybody hates you or both. It sounds like for, for, <laughs> for, you, real. Taylor, <laughs> yeah, for you, for, for real, you, for you, Taylor, your alcohol just stopped being enough. Right. I mean, it was just like, yeah. it's not, why and, would you yeah. be drinking? Yeah. I mean, to answer your first question, you know, I didn't, I want to say I really started, I think my using Amplified probably in my mid twenties, um, I didn't really use to mask anything until it got to the point where I was actually committing crimes, hurting other people, um, skipping out on family events. I, I think it was the shame and guilt of that, that probably perpetuated use even more, um, but, you know, looking back, you know, I don't think I really picked up anything to mask anything. Sure, I probably put some unnecessary pressure on myself to succeed in life. But, like, point blank, I like the effects alcohol and drugs produce for me. I like euphoria. There's nothing I need to mask. You know, I, I was always decent in school, popular, athlete. You know, same with Matt. You know, I didn't pick up the high childhood drama I didn't pick up because I felt like I didn't fit in I picked up because I like being fucked up and I like the way it made me feel and that you know that's where it started now sure did I mask some stuff at the end but um for me at least um yeah I just like the I like the effects of alcohol and drugs and I still do I still do I know I still do but that's just not an option yeah 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 for sure yeah so I, that was just that was a lot to take in for Rob, but I just didn't know like for, for your friend. I didn't know how long you knew him, whatnot. Like, did can you looking back on it? Could you see a progression to the point where like did he drink with other people and like go out and have fun, and then it was like kind of locked away in solitude for months or like how did that? Pro- can you see the progression now that you have like not that your eyes are wide open now, but like knowing what you know now. Um. Well, yeah, I think uh, a couple things. So you had asked earlier, or, or you had you had kind of made a comment um, about you know that some people would say you know like talking about something that somebody did that's no longer with us or whatever that doesn't necessarily put them in the best of light. Um, if that's some kind of disrespect, I, I personally, um, obviously, I would never want to you know put somebody's family in an uncomfortable position because. They've already kind of been through their own thing. Um, but for me, I don't think, um, you know, especially with this particular person, I don't think that they wouldn't want people to learn from any mistakes they made in their life. Um, I know I wouldn't want to live that way if something could be prevented that I did that was stupid. Um, and I think, too, um, the other thing with it as well is that I don't think that there's much value in, in most situations in life, not just being honest. Um, like I said, definitely wouldn't, you know, want to give out anybody's name or anything like that. So, um, that is kind of the reason I want, I wanted to talk about it. And, and the other thing, which I probably should have mentioned like 40 minutes ago. Um, the other thing that happens to coincide with this conversation is also that, 
Um, so for me, uh, the topic of like the album is around kind of the, this experience with this person. Um, not so much the, the literal experience itself, but um, kind of just, yeah, having to now deal with it. Right. I get the luxury of living, um, but I get the not luxury of having to kind of think about it forever. Um, and yeah, you do, I, I would assume it's kind of normal. You go through the process of saying like, could I have done anything different? Um, and like for this person, like you were asking about, I knew him for a long time. Um, and definitely not the guy at the bar, you know, seeing who could slam the most back, definitely a very quiet kind of antisocial person like myself. Um, that, yeah, it was probably more kind of, uh, you know, a loner type situation, I would probably guess. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there were things, like I said, even after he had left, I mean, he had, you know, had to go through some hospital stuff. And even that, I just, I was just so unaware of, um, you know, that people that have addiction problems can become people that are dishonest and it's not, not because they're bad person. It's just, it just is kind of part of the process. You get a cold or whatever your nose runs. I mean, it's just, it's part of it. Um, and yeah, so that, that was very long winded. Um, but I felt like I should have clarified way earlier. <laughs> Wait, so you, you have an album coming out? I, no, well, it depends on who you ask. I heard Friday is a good day. Oh, okay. Were to, uh, and what's it now. called? Time is a River. And where can people find it? On Spotify, Robbie Alexander, if you were looking, hypothetically. Go look for it. I think I'll put up a link at some point. So, so, uh, there's some, so there's some, um, portion of this story or this experience, this life experience in the album. Yeah. I mean, for me, and again, not to just go on and on. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, no, I just wanted to, because me, like, if you listen to this podcast and you're, you know, you're an avid listener to this podcast, me and Taylor are two very similar human beings, not necessarily in our vices, but the way we carry ourselves and stuff like that. But I think that you did make a good point or at least uh, highlight something that's important and that your friend was like the loner, not the guys, you know, causing a bunch of attention to himself at the bar. And that this whole thing, um, it's so hard to decipher in somebody because there's not just a blueprint, you know, like there's people that, you know, I've met in recovery that I've only, I've only heard, heard them speak maybe a handful of times and they've been sober for 20 some years, you know, and like I, I'm in first week and I'm like, here's my life story. Like somebody <laughs> fix me, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, it, it's so that that's part of what makes this such a difficult deal and why there hasn't been like the perfect pill or the perfect, uh, you know, why, why it's so hard to uncover and then help somebody because first off they have to want to be helped. And I know for me, like thinking of when I was like drinking, thinking about being sober, I was like, I don't want to be one of those people. Like, that's how I thought. I was just like, that's boring. Like, you know, like, I don't want to be like the guy that's holding the chip, you know, like, uh, you know, like pretty much doing all the fucking things I'm doing now. But, um, and you know, that was pretty much early on in recovery. I was still kind of like, I don't really want to be like this. And then I realized that, you know, I, there once there's a, whether I was born with this whole deal or, uh, 
whether I just cross some line at some point, whatever this whole thing is, disease condition, I have it, you know, and, um, you know, that was once I wrapped my head around that, I looked around at the people that were actually like doing recovery the way that, you know, actually diving themselves into like trying to fix themselves. And I realized that they were happy and had inner peace and like all the things that I didn't have, you know, and that's something that you kind of have to stick around for a little bit to actually hmm. see. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. I think that, uh, there's a saying, isn't there, Taylor? What's the saying about uh, the disease being cunning? Do you know the saying? Cunning, baffling, and powerful. Yeah. I think that's one of those things. And shout out to Taylor, because he's turned into an OG, isn't he, Matt? He's kind of getting into the old head range. Dude, not, no, dude, he's not an old head at all. No. Dude, I, got, no. I, got like, I got like four more years to go before we can I even like, maybe dude, throw that around. Yeah, dude. Like, there's some dudes in there that, like, yeah, you got to have. Dude, when they reach in their pockets to get some change, salt comes out. Like they're yeah, just yeah. You got you got to at least have double digits attached yeah. to your name. Yeah, you, my do guys. You have, dude, do you have a little honestly, bit of clout though? A little eh, bit, dude. A little well, bit. Yeah. What's crazy is when you're sitting in there, like Mino and Taylor, like I do. Like I've heard his like best top of the line, like he's fucked up speeches. And let me tell you, for the kids listening. They were great. Like they were good. They were. Like, they, they were really good. I but, I was captivating. Yeah, I could captivate an audience. I love Dude, you, Taylor. Taylor could have got me to run the through best. an actual wall. But I would do the I'll same. I'll hear him man. now. I'll hear him now, and I'm like thinking about you know the dude that turned and called me the messiah when i was 16 <laughs> and I'm, it's like i'll hear him say something i'm like well that's the pr- most profound fucking thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs> you know like maybe i'm gonna use that dude, i call him for advice all the time dude he's he's come a long way you've come a long way too matt so far the, <laughs> the uh one one thing i wanted to say is you brought up a good point matt is like it's it looks different for everybody too Mm -hmm. it may look exactly the same for two people but it's it could look completely different to others as well and it can be a different disease for other people like you may not even know it it's it's much like i i equivalent to like behavioral health stuff like depressed like depressed can be you you don't know what the hell it looks like and same with the disease is you don't you don't always it could be the most obvious thing in the world you could see a person looking like a zombie walking down the street because they just you know took a fat hit in their vein or or it could be a business it could it could be a a ceo of a business running their business throughout the day that just took a fat you know shot in their vein as well it really you, you don't know you have no idea and and also the good thing about you guys having a place to go and share is people like rob and i you know it could be beneficial for us to go to, you know, Al-Anon um, and, you know, sit down in a meeting much like that. Hang on. Dude, that dog's getting the business right now. He just gave dog is, <laughs> dog is, I didn't even say anything. Out. I didn't even say anything. You don't need um, to with that look. Yeah. So, um, lost my train of thought. Anyways, um, but to go to Al-Anon and sit down and speak and, and know that, you know, it's not because I think there's a lot of guilt that people who have watched people traverse this this issue and, and lost people to this disease. There's a lot of guilt that you harbor um, a lot of times um, and not doing something thing, first. Right? Yeah, we, yeah, we've repeated this multiple times, like 
even like there is nobody along my life that could have stopped me from doing the things that I did. Like absolutely nobody that like the most important people in my life have told me I had a problem, have begged me to get help, you know, even like even people that I would die for, like that have done it all. Nothing did it until, you know, I was ready. And uh, it have I'm grateful that it did happen at least to this point for me, and I'm grateful it happened for Taylor. But that's that's another thing with this is it's so it's so baffling how like from time like you're like that guy didn't get it at this point, and it's like yeah. no, he didn't. And then some people you hear and they just got drunk one time at 18 and got scared, and you're like, dude, you didn't, where's the pain? You know, <laughs> like you didn't even struggle, dog. You know, but it's not really about that as much as it is about how you feel inside and, and until you get there. And Rob, I, I don't know. I don't even, I was kind of speaking for both of us on that. I have no idea if you, I, I'm assuming, because me knowing you, I don't, I don't know. You can correct me, but you had to have felt a little bit of guilt, you know, at oh, some yeah. point, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there are so many things that I would have, again, not whether or not it matters, I couldn't tell you, but I mean, yeah, I don't think anybody with a, a soul or whatever wouldn't feel those, you know, that. I like I knew th- like like I said there were things that were weird but this is somebody that I l- looked up to and I don't know it was like in my 20s where I, I, my default is like if something's weird then I'm just gonna be quiet because I obviously don't get it like you know right um and it wasn't something that I didn't care I was just too shy to just ask like dude what's going on with you like you're acting really strange like you know, I mean, like I said, there were just so many things that didn't make sense. Like he had mentioned at one point he had gone to rehab and, but he said he had gone because he was like so stressed with his life that he just had been drinking a little too much. So he like self-admitted himself and was like fine the second he got out. You know, that, again, I- Taylor's shaking 20s. his head no, like- Right, right. Knowing what he knows, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, to me, I was like, Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. What do I know about rehab? I guess, I mean, hey, I guess it's better he checked in early than, uh, you know, wait till it's a problem. And he just got in and out and it's fine. And I never, never thought about it again. You know, just silly, you know, foolishness, and I, obviously, in, in hindsight. Um, and, and I look at it, too, you know, once you once you actually work through the guilt and once you work through, like, actually thinking things through it's like matt's absolutely right you're not stopping and and taylor's talked about it too where nothing that i could have said or done is was going to change anything that he was doing and you look at it so easily just i look at i mean look at the pack of cigarettes it says on there caution can cause cancer can cause heart will kill you you know (laughs) all that stuff will kill you it's like (laughs) matt takes his chew out (laughs) Dude, so you gave perfect. me that gad. You gave me those baby blues through the screen, and I, I felt the dad guilt right away. But for real, like it's similar. Like you could sit there and you could tell someone, you know, hey, I know somebody that went down this path, and you're beyond that, or you're getting close to it, and you're gonna die. Like you're gonna die, and they won't stop. It's the same as like cigarettes, chew all that stuff. Like you're playing with fire. Like you, you hang around the barbershop long enough, you're gonna get your hair cut. That's right. just the way it works. So it's like, but, but in that, in that moment, it's like, you don't hear anything, you know, and it makes sense because if you're sitting there stealing jewelry from your parents or you're, you're, you're stealing guns to pay for your habit, you're, you're doing things that are not, that are out of character, like just to feed that habit, you don't care. You, you, nothing that 
nothing that can be said in that moment. It, it It's weird. It's that's the most bizarre thing to me is like, what does it take? And for everyone, it's different. Like it's it, everyone's breaking point is different. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway I had from Rob's story and, you know, he's, he's actually hammered on a point that he probably didn't know he was directly hammering on. Um, I can assure you I did not. <laughs> and, and this is, this is really vital for the people looking on the outside in the earthlings dealing with loved ones and people close to them struggling. There's an old adage. Anytime that an addict's mouth is moving, they're lying. Um, and that's true. And it, it goes to the broad spectrum of dishonesty when we're talking about addiction. Like he was talking about the story about how, you know, his friend, you know, woke up naked and there's tons of bottles, you know, that, that behavior is me and Matt to the T you know, Josh could have found us naked laying in an alley um, with 30 bottles of Jack Daniels laying around. Oh, buddy, it was just a rough weekend. No, a rough weekend yeah. does not involve passing out naked with 30 bottles of booze. I mean, we will we will manipulate. We will lie. Um, and really, it, it's almost unfathomable looking back on it now just and see how. So when we start lying, right, I mean, it is a snowball effect. So not only do lies have to cover up other lies, especially when we're talking about our active drinking or using or like that, but we start to formulate this pattern of where we lie about everything. And I always use this example for people. Um, me and Rob could be roommates. You know, no one else is in the house. There's one slice of pizza in the fridge. I know Rob does not care if I eat that piece of pizza. I eat that piece of pizza. Rob asked me, did I eat it? No. You know, we get into this mode where we will lie about absolutely everything. And hmm. this is not to throw shade at addicts and alcoholics, but the adage is true. I mean, if I'm shooting dope, anytime my mouth is moving, you could almost guarantee 99% of the time it is a lie or some kind of manipulation coming out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was, that was a huge takeaway I got. And I think it, it's something that um, it's one of those huge red flags or those markers for people that are on the outside looking in and have to be aware of, but it goes to your point where how much can you really help if you don't know the real story? Right. We, we, we will downplay our use to to the end of the world, to no ends. So how can you really help an individual who's not even honest with themselves? So I, I think th there's a huge dishonesty piece that when we talk about active addicts and addiction, you know, even I'm not even going to go down this wormhole, but it, it's actually a characteristic. And Matt can probably echo the same thing. It's a characteristic that I even brought into sobriety that I had to change my behaviors because my first year or two of sobriety, I, w I would still catch myself telling these lies and telling these white lies when I know that they're so insignificant, but it had just become habit over the course of years that, you know, and that's still something I have to be vigilant about is being honest, wow. you know, rigorously honest, you know, I got to be honest with myself so I can be honest with other people. So I, I think that was a huge point that you touched on, Rob, that I'm glad you did, that um, you might have indirectly, you know, you're you're basically spitting some fire. 
Yeah, dude. Um, great point. Um, because it's not only with lies, but it's shit that we do. Like, say you do one thing that's wrong or fucked up, you we continue to just do another thing fucked up and another thing and another thing to just you. Know, it's like a cycle that you're in, and it's definitely true. I have caught myself not only with white lies and sobriety, but the way that I view things when I first came back, um, people that were no longer in my life that used to be, I, I, in my head, I lost them. I didn't lose anybody. You know, mm -hmm. I, they didn't die. I, I know where they are, or at least I have a general idea, I guess. Like, dude, I, I pushed everybody there. I did everything I could to push everybody that cared about me out of my life. Everything. And if the closer you were, the worse it got, you know. And But when I first came back, I lost those people. You know, and that's stuff that, like, I mean, it's in our whole thing. But the long, you know, the longer you stick around, the more that's revealed. Well, you start to just get more, you know, you start tackling some bigger stuff, and then the little stuff is still there. And that's why recovery is like hard because you you get to like different stagnant points where you're like, why am I still unhappy? It's like, oh, because I told you know, told my dad that you know I did this when I didn't really do that or whatever. You know, it's just. It's one of those things that uh, it's, I don't, it's weird. It's, it's wild. You, like, I didn't, I would, I didn't consider myself a dishonest person, but the amount of the things that I lied about that I didn't have to, not just the things I lied about that were like, yeah, you should have probably lied about that. Like anybody would lie <laughs> about that. But the things that I lied about that I didn't have to lie about, like I could have just, it's, it's crazy. And like thinking back on it, just like, who, who, who was I? Like, who the fuck did I think I was? You know what I mean? And it's definitely carries over to sobriety. And it's something that you gotta, you gotta work on it every day. Cause that feeling in your chest doesn't go away. If you're, if you're still dishonest and brutal honesty, that takes time because you're not, I know I was, I was not ready to face some facts about myself when I first came back and even probably first six or seven episodes through this podcast. I think I needed some time away from it just to be like, hold a mirror up to me and be like yeah we're we got some work to do kid <laughs> spencer came at a good time is what you're saying dude, spencer, <laughs> uh, dude sometimes sometimes you know things happen for me that i can't do for myself in this case spencer shouts out matt matt was uh sending out a few feeler texts every once in a while are we are we gonna record are we gonna record yeah, guys i got some getting uncomfortable that's no, true, dude. Matt. I didn't even think of that. It's probably good for you. Well, for dude, sure. when I go back and like, I've I listen, I've listened to like our our first couple episodes like recently, not like in the past like week, but in the past like month. It's like I'm happy it's there because I like I like I can hear myself and it's it's cringy for me. Yeah, you know, I'm like, dude, I, it, it is. I'm like, dude, I didn't I didn't know what the fuck I was talking. I mean, it was at least like. I thought I did. It was at least honest. You know what I mean? But like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, like you, I, and I think probably you're like, well, I understand why my sponsor was like, well, I probably shouldn't be doing this right now. Or no, my sponsor was, my sponsor was pretty supportive, man. He's just yeah. like, yeah, just set some rules down. But like, if I, if I could tell, uh, if I could tell myself one thing from, nine months into sobriety matt like what first week i just tell him to shut the fuck up right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just shut the fuck up just do what you're told like probably could still use that advice but i could too for sure for myself yeah. but uh rob hearing all that 
uh, takeaway? What, what are you taking away from that after sharing that story and hearing that feedback from the two who lived it? Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. Um, I think for, like I said, for me, obviously I, I definitely had, you know, feelings that I wanted things to be different. I think I kind of went through the cycles, you know, like probably for the first week or two, if I was totally honest, I was like pretty mad um, at the person. And then I was hurt. And then I felt stupid for not like seeing the obvious BS. Um, And then I don't know, at some point that I just obviously started feeling bad about everything. Um, And I just tried to, I try to just keep in my mind, like, if the roles were reversed, how would I want that person to like feel about me? And even if they could have done something different, even though it sounds like, you know, and from everything that I've read on a night that I can't sleep because I'm thinking about it, um, you know, even if that person knows it's not their fault, like I don't want them to, like it doesn't bring any value just carrying that. I mean, the the past is just kind of the past, you know, just what it is. And um, I, I guess, I guess for me, what I'm, I, I'm more curious because I mean, I think the topic doesn't really come up for most people until it's too late. And I think all of us were kind of talking about different things that we, we used to think what being like somebody with a problem looks like. So how do you, how do you get people to change the, like for me, like I said, the idea that I, I had seen this person drink in public and they're not the guy that was like, yo, let's see how many I can slam. Watch this. Like he would definitely go out to the bar and have a couple drinks. And then I would guess, you know, if he went back to his place, maybe he drank more or something, but it didn't look exactly what, you know, TV or whatever made it seem like it was supposed to look like. So I never, you know, I talked myself out of it not being normal. I mean, I think that you can tell by some factors as far as how well, some of it's how long have you known that person, you know, because if you knew them before they were drinking, like Josh has known me and Taylor both. I mean, I've known Josh since, I don't know, for pretty much my whole life. And uh, especially if you ask like my brothers or whatever, like they knew that at some point that I was beyond return, you know, but still anything they said to me. I had an answer for like Taylor said it we're master manipulators because if I can flip something on you then this microscope gets away from me and I can continue to do the things I've been doing because honestly I I didn't think that I didn't think I was going to be happier in a life without drugs and alcohol because mm-hmm. Taylor said you know I really I, I liked them I liked it a lot you know I did and uh it worked for me for a while until it didn't you know <laughs> Um, but no, dude, there's, there's, you can have the honest conversation for somebody. You can let them know you're there to help them. You can kick them out of your life. You can do there's, I mean, but there's no telling what it's going to do for that person. Honestly, I, I, I'm a firm believer in whatever it takes for that person to finally hit that bottom is what it takes. If there's one thing I do believe it's that, because there's, I mean, if you go from obvious signs three, three or four years ago, I stood, I should have stopped. There was pretty obvious signs there. You know, I didn't, you know, as soon as I was done with what, you know, as soon as, as soon as that uh, bracelet got off, I was, I was right back to it and worse. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that is the age old question, right? I mean, I, I wish there was these, 
these markers or set parameters that everyone could look look at and be like, okay, yeah, this guy, he's way too far gone. Sure. Like Matt said, is there some behaviors and red flags that are kind of common denominator stuff for all addicts and alcoholics? Sure. Um, but what is the catalyst for change? It's pain, right? I mean, for people like us, the pain, the pain meter can't be halfway up. You know, if, if you're thinking at this as like a thermometer kind of thing, the pain meter can't be all the way to the top. That pain meter has to burst. For chronic and alcoholics and addicts to change, the, the ultimate catalyst is pain. Now, like we said, how this varies of varies, Matt's pain threshold or where his level burst was probably different than mine. It would be different for everybody. Um, pain looks a lot different than other people. Um, but here's the thing is like, without enough pain, there's no reason to change. If I'm not facing repercussions, if I'm not facing the negative stuff that comes along with drug addiction and alcoholism, it really gives me no reason to change. Cause I mean, we're survivors where we roll on instincts where, you know, we can deal with a lot of bad shit coming down the road at us because we kind of just chalk it up to that's the way our life, you know, that is, that is what the game of drugs and alcohol is all about. Um, the only reason I change or I change at least for myself was that, the, it, it became to the point where the repercussions just were not worth it to me. Mm. Um, and even looking back very early on, you know, if, if you call, if you caught me in my first couple months in jail, um, Taylor, do you want to stop using drugs? The answer would have been no. Um, e- even in the beginning of sobriety, when I got out, I was not a hundred percent sold on the fact that I wanted to stop using drugs. I just wanted the negative shit to stop. I just, I wanted, I, like Matt said, I hated taking a stick of dynamite to my life. Um, and the only reason I changed was because of pain. The only reason Matt changed was because of pain. That's um, it. So that is the only that is, reason. No, that's literally it. You talk to any addict, you talk to any alcoholic who's in recovery, pain is the ultimate catalyst. So until someone experiences their threshold and that thermometer burst, they'll continue to use and drink. Well, dude, I can remember when I first came back, like, I was talking to my guy. He's like, do you really want to quit drinking? I was like, no, but I want to stop hurting. And I was like, and I'm kind of at the point, like, I was at the point where, like, I joked about wanting to go to Mexico. Dude, when I thought about going to Mexico, it was to pay, how much would I have to pay somebody to actually kill me? Like, I wanted to die, you know? And I was like, "That's, that's why I called Taylor. I didn't call Taylor because I wanted to stop drinking. I called Taylor because I knew he would understand. And I called Taylor because my brother told me to. You know, so if you, you know, if you want to do what's right for people, point them in the direction of, you know, people that have recovered if they think you have a problem, because that's the best thing anybody's ever done for me is, you know, when I remember talking to Josh's dad on the phone and the one thing he said that stuck out to me was the way that you're feeling right now. You don't ever have to feel this way again. And I was like, sick, man, what I got to do? And he brought me through and I was like, I don't know about all that. He's like, we'll talk about it. <laughs> like, you know, that not, like even with everything that was going on, I like, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to commit suicide. I fucking hated myself. I got, I, I got sick to my stomach every time I looked in the mirror for months. Like, and this was at the height of it. Like I probably smoked eight packs of cigarettes that day. Like 
over under probably six. I actually don't really remember. It's kind of a blur at this point. But uh, yeah, even at that point, I still was like, I didn't have really any plans on stopping drinking. Like I just after after a little bit though, it kind of was like, well, if you want this, you have to. <laughs> this is this is in your way, you know. And it was all about wanting a better life, a happier life, a full life, you know, and not being the person that I was. And I don't, you know, and the only thing that led me to that was pain. And it was, it was the worst pain that I've ever felt because I knew that, uh, how I finally saw how my pain, how the things that I did impacted everybody around me. It finally became clear to me. And that's when I say like, it takes what it takes. Well, that's what it took for me. You know, it took Taylor being in jail and his mom coming and telling him to write a letter to, because he's probably gonna fucking die in there dude such a g move but uh but like and you know we like i said we hear people all the time where it's like like you you know you almost get on your little like i'm a i'm a you're not as big of a dumbass as me high horse which is something just wrong with us you know like he, like i i now at this point i'm like what are we doing but early on i'm like dude, what are you doing here like dude, you still got a good year or two out there but <laughs> but you know that's gone it, it's different for everybody yeah, I mean, and if we're getting morbid, if if you guys really want to hear the raw, gritty truth about addiction, um, especially coming from the loved ones, guys like Rob and Josh who are around people like me and Matt, um, and they ask all the time, what what can I do for this guy or what's it going to change? You know, you know, sometimes it boils down to letting them suffer a little longer. They might mm-hmm. need to get to that pain threshold. And sadly, that's a thing that with no guarantees, because if we're looking on, you know, a secular level, it, it's so much more than just not picking up the rig and not picking up the bottle. It, we're talking about life and death. And obviously we need life to get to that point of hope. But sometimes your loved ones and for the listeners, sometimes your loved ones who are struggling, they're going to have to suffer a little longer. That could be months. That could be years. Um and just hope to God during that time they stay long, stay alive um, and they get to that point of pain where they just can't take it anymore. But I see it over and over again. Family members and loved ones just grit their teeth and slam their head against the wall. What can I do for this guy? Let him suffer a little longer. Can I ask a uh, non-member question? Is it uh, is it possible to use like AA if you don't believe that there is some power that's higher than you? That's how everybody starts. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll let Taylor take that. Uh, I'll, actually, I'll take it. Let Taylor think. Um, when so when you go into a gym, okay, and you hire a personal trainer, and he gives you all these exercises to do. And you're like, have you ever done these? And he's like, yeah, that's why I look like a movie star. You can skip those exercises and you cannot take the, you know, pre-workout and you cannot eat right, but you're probably not going to get in shape when you go into recovery and you see somebody that's happy and you see somebody that is, you know, like uh, the picture of what you hope to be down the line you're going to also have to do the things that they did if you want what they have is how I would put that. Rob, do you want the don't scare away the newcomer answer or like the actual legit real answer? Yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, I have 
me personally, I have little stakes in it. I was just curious what your thoughts are, right? Because that's how it started, and then there's branches of it that don't they don't revolve around the idea that you need something that's above your control, right? No, I'm okay. Point blank, here's you don't work the steps, you're gonna die. Um, if we're talking about listen. Sure, you can come in as an agnostic, atheist, whatever you want to, whatever you want to name it. Um, there, I, there's tons of stories about people like that, and they find a higher power. But the point blank is, um, well, I'll, I'll answer this on two sides of the fence. Um, if you don't have spirituality, um, I could almost venture to say, about my paycheck, there's a very good likelihood you're going to drink again. Um, mm. And if you don't drink, you're going to be a miserable bastard. Um, so can you, uh, to basically sum it up, do I think the program would be effective if like, basically you want to say, I'm not doing the spiritual route, you know, cause dude, I mean, the majority of steps, I mean, the whole big book literature, the whole basis is finding a spirit because here's the thing, like. Me and Matt run our own, if we run our, on our own vices, we will get high and we will drink. Um, we will commit suicide on the installment plan. We will die an awful alcoholic death. There's only one, there's only one person that truly gets us out of addiction and disease, and that's God or the, our higher power. I mean, with that, not only don't we have anything, we don't have sobriety, we don't have emotional health, we don't have mental health, we don't have physical health. Um... So point blank, I mean, if without spirituality, the program's probably null and void. But that's my hot take on it. Um, I think that probably gets dumbed down or sugar-coated to probably not scare away the newcomer or the person who is agnostic or atheist because I do know people that's had transformations. But if you're like three, four years into it and you're not turning your will over and you truly don't believe that uh, a power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity, you might not drink, but you're going to be miserable. That I can guarantee. So I, I hope that kind of answers your question for you. Yeah, yeah I mean, is it is it like a... Like for you, is it like a fuel or what? Or just something like a safety net to fall back on when the days are hard or what? I'll say this, Rob. It's uh, when I first came in and something I still struggle with. Uh, it's I had a very hard time letting go of things, a very hard time accepting the world just the way it is because mm -hmm. I'm a self-centered alcoholic. So with that aspect, you just put, I'm not in control as long as I do the right things and, you know, for the right reasons, I have to just trust that things are going to work out and I keep my focus on staying sober and help the person that's, you know, suffering do the same. And it just takes that bit out of like, cause we're all control freaks, you know, like, and that's one of our problems, but I'm sure Taylor has much more uh, literature. <laughs> um, one thing one thing I don't understand with this whole topic and this conversation is whenever it comes to the topic of like the spirituality portion of, you know, a, a program is if you're going to allow a substance to take control over you and ruin your life like that, what is the big fucking deal on letting go 
and, and allowing something to take control that's going to get you off of that substance or keep you off of that substance. Like that's where the pain it, thing comes in, Josh. Yeah, but it's like, but it's like, but for that, for that portion of that person who might not go into a program or give a program a try because of, oh, it's it's about God or it's about a, a higher power or something like that, bitch. You already had a higher power ruin in your life. Like that was that was your higher power. Like no, you drink it, sense. It, makes perfect you know sense. what I mean? It's when like you, when that, you meet but, nine months ago or, ten or <laughs> you know five years ago or the person that's still struggling, that's harder to drill into your head. Like, yeah, but I feel dude, like when honestly, someone's this asking was one of my things when I first came in. I yeah, but like, I feel like when somebody's asking that question, they're on the portion of making a change. They're on that they're on that 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 doorstep of making a change where they're having that conversation. So they have a little bit of cognitive ability to be able to say, like if you say like if someone asks me that question, it's exactly what I would say. Bitch, your higher power was an opiate. Your higher power yeah, was fentanyl. Your your yeah, higher power was the, booze. Like, what the fuck are you yeah, talking about? That's where like, the gift of desperation comes in, Josh. It's just <laughs> no, it really does. Hail Mary. No, you get to the point where, like, I, me and Taylor have talked about this. Like, when I first came in, when I decided, like, I, I'm all fucked up, you know, pretty much, and I got back on that plane. Um, there is absolutely nothing that I would not have done. I mean, I I'm off them now, but I took antidepressants, you know, <laughs> like I did, um, therapy with a therapist, like did the, the groups and was like, I'm whatever I can do to not be this person I'm going to do. And it was because I was at that point of desperation and the pain was so great that like I needed to do it. So when I finally had that talk with my dude, with my sensei, my, you know, with my sobriety <laughs> sensei shouts out. Um, it was very easy because he was just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get into exactly how he explained it to me, but you know, that's a me and him thing. But like, it was pretty much like a, what I said, like, if you want, you want, you know, he, something along the lines of like, do you believe that this worked for Taylor? I'm like, yeah. Like, do you believe this worked for me? I'm like, yeah. It's like, then it will work for you too. If you let it. You know, yeah. Like, All right. You know what? You know what else, Josh, that pisses me off, and you're on the topic of that too, is the fucking people that everyone knew was a town drunk and the neighborhood crackhead who was breaking into your grandma's house. Oh my God, I don't want people finding out I go to AA. Everybody <laughs> knew you were the fucking neighborhood crackhead. What do you care? That drives me absolutely bonkers. And I get it. Anonymity and all that bullshit. But listen, you were the town drunk for 20 years. There should be no shame in your game if you're getting help for yourself. Absolutely. I mean, drives me nuts. But to get back to your point, Rob, how much how much is spirituality and recovery all of it look at the 12 steps besides the first step okay which should be a given it's a three-part everything yeah i mean everything leads all row all roads lead to spirituality and recovery so i could say how much of it's recovery all of it I will be the uh, impartial person here, though, and let there be known that there's a lot of bias here because it's what worked for them and it's what worked for everyone that they know. And there's allegedly other programs yeah. out there, and I know how they feel about the other programs, but there are, you know, different types. We should let the viewers know that there are like scientific programs and things like yeah, that other programs no i don't see. i don't have any malice but listen when you got the best blueprint you got the best blueprint yeah, absolutely and you if it worked me? for you if it worked for you it, like i just want it to be known that 
you guys don't completely, you know, say fuck all the other systems. If it works for somebody, it works for somebody. Yeah, yeah for sure. We're, 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 we're spread happiness podcast. We won't yeah. be happy. If you yeah. don't need to do what we did, then don't do it. But if you exactly. can't stop, won't stop, we, we, we know some people. We got some yeah. heavy hitters for you. <laughs> exactly so you know it's it it does truly go back to like hey if you need help reach out these guys will point you in the right direction i'm not going to be able to point in the right direction but i'll get you connected with somebody also use your google machine that's how we're going to point you in the right direction (laughs) like it really is like i had the benefit uh you know one thing before i went to my first meeting the night before i just got back on the plane i just flew home like that whole night i was so just tore up about myself and so self-loathing and just not in a good spot i did not sleep i threw up multiple times like i'm and taylor's coming to pick me up you know taylor comes and picks me up has a dunkin donuts coffee for me he's like what's up buddy ready to get better (laughs) like yeah dog let's go It's like seven thirty in the morning. I'm hyped, and Matt's like, "Dude, I ain't, I ain't ready dude, for all dude, this buck out." Well, I haven't seen Taylor in like a couple of years, and he just like just come in with the sobriety venom, running with the devil. Then <laughs> <laughs> you say like on Saturday mornings he has that same energy, and you're just like, "What oh, the fuck, dude?" I'm like, I, I get off work now, and I go, I'm still wiping the tired out of my eyes, and Taylor's already had like. I don't even know, dude. This kid's this cat's built different. <laughs> I already got two pots of coffee in me. Let's yeah, roll. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's roll. Yeah, he, he's he's uh, he's already spiritually yeah, he's, sound and done a bunch of push ups, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what fuck. I think's really cool is uh just the camaraderie that um your guys's community has and just the way that you guys pick each other up you know because i notice it and i can see it and you don't uh, for me now that i have you know i have a dad that's been in that world for over you know 12 years 13 years 14 years now you you already know it's like you walk up to a group of guys and they're chit-chatting drinking coffee eating fucking cookies it's like what 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 are these how does my dad know these guys well you're just gonna gonna (laughs) know kind of but you but you realize that like honestly the camaraderie that is built and just the the brotherhood and and you know all that and brotherhood can include females too you know we're equal opportunity around here but it's called a brotherhood you know well dude Um, misery loves company you know fucking right (laughs) yeah but it's real that in the like when when there's a topic or whatever and i'll share something that's like you know, pretty deep. Cause like, look, not a lot of people actually think I'm thankful for this, but not a lot of people actually know what it's like to like actively want to kill yourself. Like, and like, I, I say that as humbly as I possibly can. When I say it in there that nobody's like, you know, what's going on at like, people are just nodding. Like, yeah, like been there. And it's the most honest place on planet earth. That, or it's the most honest place I've ever been to. Um, and I think that's, I, I, truthfully, I think that's one of the things that loved ones and friends and people should understand is like when someone's comfortable enough to share something with you, you can't have a reaction. You know, you, you can't. Yeah, be you can. Like, I mean, you, I mean dude, if you haven't. No, if you... I'm, what I'm saying is when when someone's sharing, like if if they're going to be able to trust you to come out and say, like, I need help or something like that. I'm not saying you can't have a reaction like physically or anything like that, like that, or that you shouldn't, or that it's not natural. 
But I have my own story where it's like someone came to me and talked to me and we had a, we had lunch together after getting tattooed and all this stuff. And it was like, you know, he had shared to me multiple things. And I honestly think that he was just testing me when I'm looking back on it now. Like he's kept sharing that thing after thing, after thing, like stories that, you know, would shock most people. And he's like, you know what, Josh, he's like, I love, I love having lunch with you as someone I hadn't seen for years. You know, you, I can talk to you and you don't, you don't shame me. There's no, like, I'm ashamed of you and in, in your eyes and like you're accepting of who I am and what I've done. And, you know, you see me for me. And it's like something like that, like those, those tough to have conversations. It's not like, oh my God, oh my God, we need to, what, what, what's going on? We need to fix this right now. It's like, sit down, sit and calmly have a conversation and talk things through. You can have a reaction, but you know, you have to be calculated with it. I feel like. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know how I you guys say, feel about that, but that's just my personal opinion on it. I would say it's very, I would say, so I, I have, everybody has that friend that no matter what the topic, he is ready to give advice, you know, like no matter what I would say, as far as stuff like that goes, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of that friend actually. Like It's me yeah. I'm talking about me. I'm yeah. that friend. Um, no, like uh, I would say, there's a reason why there's a lot of stuff in place to help people in mental health situations or addiction or whatever. I would say, try to turn people over to that, whatever it is before you start, because I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Uh, you have to know your place. Yeah. But kind of, I think people get like, look, there's, it, there is not enough pull-ups I could have done to fix what was wrong with me. <laughs> you know, like I just couldn't, like I needed all of it. And Empathize. Don't therapize. How about yeah, that? Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. We should make yeah. that a shirt next yeah. to Rob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rob's band. Then that. I'm just like, okay. Thanks. <laughs> wait, Rob's in a band. Dude, or wait, he, does he do band. music? Hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on. I think he has an Check album out. dropping. Does he have an what album? Is that, Rob? What? On, on November 5th? That would oh, be a good day. Wait, is that Friday? You got to put it out on a Friday if you're going to put it out on That's my mom's birthday. <laughs> oh man. Oh wait, and you you actually have to buy the copy because no, we're trying to get no, you to get rich. We want you no. to make rich, bro. Dude, we're trying to make you rich, yo. If you can't afford, how much is it on? Zero dollars and zero cents. If you can't afford this uh, Spotify, ninety nine cents. If you can't afford a Spotify subscription, just Venmo charge Josh. Like, he will pay. <laughs> yeah. It'll be on YouTube. Good. It'll be somewhere free. Oh, man. I fucking love it. Rob, okay. So, any questions about what we discussed at all? No, I, I think it was good. This is a shitty transition, by the way, for, as me as the, the co-host here. Um, we've been doing it a while here. We've been recording a long time, but having our boy on is a little bit different because I don't care if he has to go and do something. Uh, so you've listened, <laughs> you've listened to the podcast a lot. You've listened to probably every episode. If I know you, you're a good supporter of your friends and what we do and people who create things. Um, any, any questions as far as older podcast, older episodes, um, any feedback, anything you wanted to talk about that's been like something you thought of while you were listening that you can think of now? Um, who were you guys' favorite uh, people? And you have to pick somebody. Who's my favorite you have to person? Pick one uh, like guest that you've had. 
Well, I'm biased. I, I, I'm biased because I I think the first two episodes are best episodes. Um, no, but those, are, but those as a listener, guests. you're wrong. But those aren't guests. But those aren't guests. Um, I think Uncle Ant. Oh, Anthony was a good one. Yeah, Anthony was Uncle a good Ant. podcast. He's my favorite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Uncle Anthony. He's was, my favorite. Yeah. Can I say Rob? Yeah, you no. can say Rob. You yeah. say Rob. No, I feel Rob, like Rob... Rob doesn't want me to say Rob. I'll go with uh, I'll go with DJ. I, you I, are I, a sweet talker, Matt. <laughs> He's a people pleaser. Who would have guessed? Now go off the, the people boozies. pleaser. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't even have to say Rob because he already knows how high he ranks in my life. So I'd say that's a given. I'd type say shit. I'd say emotionally and comfortably, Rob. He's like a warm blanket. Oh, no, oh, yeah. no, no, no. Mine was Michelle. Mine was Michelle. Love Michelle. Michelle yeah. was a good one too. Yeah, I think I think your list here. I think two. I I honestly truthfully think that Anthony was one that it was like we felt like we could be ourselves and we could talk about like it was just a comfort level thing. Um, and then I think Aunt Fox. I love that fucking gorilla, yeah. dude. Straight silver <laughs> back, man. Yeah. I dude, think he is the fucking man. I think prep preparation work wise, I put a lot into um, DJ's podcast episode. Um, that one was the one I was most nervous for, one hundred percent. That was a really good one. I can add though, the one that I learned the most from was Nerney. Michael Nerney was cool. Michael yeah, Nerney, I got like broke my brain for a little bit. Smart is <laughs> yeah. same with your brother. Like those cats are just way above. I have a one thirty six IQ, so I'm like really smart. <laughs> taking self pride and ego out of it. Those dudes are. Those dudes are. Thirty six. Yes, dude. I'm that bull, dude. I was wondering why he was asking earlier if I took a IQ test. Yeah, I have one thirty Fuck up right dude, now. Listen, ask him. Yeah, online. University of Phoenix online. Right now. Right now. What? No, I can't take it. I don't. He could. Those cats are smart, like he smarter than all of us. Dude, he was watching Pornhub, and it was one of those test your IQ click links, and he just oh, clicked God. on it, and like there were pictures of giraffe. There was like four pictures of tigers and one giraffe picture. It's like which one's a giraffe, and he clicked on it, like one of those type of tests. No, yeah, they I, asked. I, you... I failed the concussion test in high school, like before, like on the Me initial too. one. Yeah, like I, they Me were too. like, you already have a concussion. Rob, what's your what, who was your favorite? episode um i did like i don't know i liked anthony a lot he just seemed like a I, he seemed very sincere i liked that i think uh, i'm trying to see who else um i did like the dj one i think josh because i could tell you were really really prepared yeah josh I had mean, a boner the whole time <laughs> It's so true. Why yeah, is for true? real. Like, he had a boner the whole time. Yeah, I'm going to get DJ to paint me like one of his French girls at some point. I'm just going to be like, <laughs> dude, just give me like the Brock Lesnar dagger. I'm trying to look like an outlaw. Well, I, I feel like if I – to go back on this episode, like in the beginning, I know for a fact I'm going to be like, dude, I was fucking so distracted because I was Mr. Mom tonight. So Becca was working till 8. She was getting the kids around. Or just getting the kids around for bed. And then I had Spencer down here and I thought, okay, she'll sleep the whole time. So I'd pick her up and I'm like trying to be binky bitch the whole time and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, this is Rob. He self-invited himself on the podcast. Like, what the fuck? Who says shit like that? 
I'm so you sorry. Do. Oh, you publicly apologize to you, Rob. It's like you inv- invited Rob over for dinner, and then he opened the fridge to go for a drink, and you're like, well, <laughs> just help yourself to anything. Yeah, I guess you'll just get hydrated. <laughs> and we've had, like, 20 conversations, like, Rob, you should be on the podcast for sure, yeah. and I've definitely invited him. But I couldn't think of it. It's like one of those moments where you don't want to have a uh, lull of silence. It's like, uh, who did that bit, Rob, with Tom Segura suck? putting a dick in his mouth for 20 seconds and he does it on stage is that segura i don't know like, how awkward is 20 seconds of silence and he just like i'll show you and he puts the mic in his mouth and just stands there for 20 seconds in front of a live crowd Dude, fucking hysterical you, you get good at like dealing with awkward pauses go to a freaking meeting. <laughs> Matt can't handle them. I can't do it. Too. I'm better at it now. I'm Does Matt just yell like, like a little kid in high school? Like penis? Does he just yell penis? Nah. Not as bad now. Dude, that dude just cannot sit with the voices in his head. <laughs> he just needs to speak. No, I can't. No, at first it was like, oh it would be like gosh. four seconds. And I'd be like, okay, if no one's going to talk, I got some stuff. But now, now I let it go like 12 maybe. All right, so I'll go. I'll go through it, Rob, a little bit here. Okay. Matt, great episode, by the way. I know you're saying you go back on it, but well, you dude, go back I look. I look you at that letter to myself. Episode, dude. That good. letter to myself. The only thing that, like, I said a bunch of stuff stopped. Now, the actual only thing that stopped at that point was I stopped drinking. Everything else, it takes a pretty long time to actually. Like get rid of. Oh, you oh my word! Just be hard on yourself about it. <laughs> good lord! He's supposed to be. It's good. Yeah. Uh, Taylor's story, great as always, obviously. But I'm biased oh, on that. Um, dude, I don't know. I I think I really like Chris's episode. To be honest, super I like, smart. I think very was, informative. But I think I'm going off of emotions here because I think like emotionally, I just felt safe like i, yeah, dude, I knew he him makes so you, well dude, he makes you feel yeah. safe that big bear he's, will be- yeah he's like a, a like a real tender kiss on the neck kind of safe yeah and <laughs> I, I, I go back to the most fun i've had probably anthony most emotional jeremy's journey for sure yeah dj most prepared nerney was just like Oh shit! This is a great idea. Let's have this guy on. And then he blew my mind again, as normal. And then Caitlin was—I mean, they're all fun. Like they're all—they're all fun. But I do—I think the most fun we had—I'm going to speak for all of us—was Anthony. I think like we had I was a blast. pretty comfortable with Abbott when Abbott was on there. Well, yeah, obviously yeah. you know him. Yeah, but yeah. He, he's like the only person that will ever talk on this podcast that saw it. You know that. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I liked there. his stories. I, uh, and I loved his, like, going eight miles out in the middle of the night. and just, <laughs> 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 This is bare fish and brown you got. <laughs> so disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, bro. Go out there. Dude, I'm a hunter and a gatherer. I go out there into the wild. <laughs> See the fish. Destroy the fish. Cook the family dinner. We're having fish tacos tonight. <laughs> 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 it's so spot on it's yeah dude spot. that's you haven't listened to that voice just go back even if you haven't listened to any other episodes <laughs> just go back to the san diego scaries episode and just fast forward to abbott talking because that is so spot on unbelievable i've never heard anything like that in my so life accurate. Yeah, so that's accurate. Ridiculous, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so rob what'd you say what's your favorite episode 
Um, I I think the Chris one is when you guys started getting the rhythm right. Yeah. And I liked everybody's stories in the beginning. It is pretty hard to top those ones, but you guys didn't have your your team rhythm yet. I think until the Chris episode, I remember feeling like. I think we're getting our sea legs in. back under us now, we're dude. Like, we've been off too long. Oh, dude, I'm sailing <laughs> away. Yo, Stex is phenomenal. Rob, dude, favorite that... band? Favorite band ever? Of all time. Uh, if I had to name one. Uh, my favorite band of all time is He is Legend. I love them. He is Legend. I'm, I'm I, thought you were gonna say I thought you were going to say brand new. Heavy. Ah, nah, they fell off. Plus, then their singer got in like uh, some trouble with some underage people. So, ah, I'll okay. go with the. I'll go with the. <laughs> so, without the underage thing, brand new is what he's saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh. see. So, questions, advice for us. Go. Me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who else? I, I ain't asking these fools for advice. I have no idea. They ruined their lives enough. I don't need them to ruin mine. <laughs> no, I, I, I. Oh my god! I mean, I'm just keep putting it. it out. Just keep putting it out. That's the best advice I have about any project. Just keep putting it out. It Dude, doesn't matter if you words think to live by. Put out. Put it out. <laughs> it, even if it's the worst episode you ever put out, it's better than one that you didn't put out. So that's that's. There's, there's, that's a phenomenal. I, I have a thousand Taylor esque uh, quotes for the uh, doing something, you know, putting something out, being creative. Well, I will say this: if if you don't know this human being, Rob, he is one of the most genuine people you ever meet. He'll tell you how it is if you need to hear it. Um, and if you're not one of my family members, big, big. <laughs> Big, I don't make problems at the dinner table. <laughs> big supporter of people who create things. Big supporter of his friends. We really, really do appreciate you, buddy. Even if you only show up for one of my ev- events at my uh, strongman competition. It wasn't um, your best event you know, either. I, <laughs> I, I want to go to one and just eat beef jerky and sit on a truck tailgate the whole time. <laughs> I've That's learned I have to deflect Josh's guilt because he knows how to hit me with it. So all <laughs> I can do is pretend that I don't feel bad and just make it worse for myself. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm definitely going to only listen to the last song on the album now. So the last, the last chorus. Yeah. Give me that at least. <laughs> oh, and if you didn't know, he has an album coming out on Friday oh. the 5th. Um, it's on Spotify. And uh, we'll share the link for sure. I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, if we mentioned it all on the podcast. I, I, I won't bring it up next time I see you, I'm sure, Josh. <laughs> well, uh, and, and uh, you know, in memory of his friend, there's some pieces in there from what we talked about today. So uh, definitely, if you're an avid listener, give it a listen and, and just, you know, get all the feels. Get all the feels, man. Um, Rob, we love you, obviously. Taylor, do you want to send him away right. with anything? Rob. You're the fucking man. I'm so pumped for your album. No, honestly, you're like, what Josh, I can echo what Josh said. You're a genuine, awesome human being. And we're, you know, I'm grateful to know you and I'm glad you came on and, you know, let's blow this album out of the water. (laughs) I love you guys. I love you guys. We're going to pump. <laughs> go ahead, Taylor. Go ahead. Go. Hey, yeah, let's take it away, bro, please. We're gonna I need pump. some promo material. We are gonna pump copy after copy. We're gonna pump it at schools. P- 
picnics, playgrounds, hey. everywhere. I'll I'll post up at Wise selling them out my car trunk. It's G-rated, man. Family friendly. I wanted my grandma to be able to listen to this one and not have to, you know, mute the second song or something. And I feel like I got invited to do this and help with this because Taylor is not allowed near playgrounds or schools, so I got to be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Dude, Taylor lives on, pretty much on a playground. Yeah. I hope true. you guys know that every episode I listen to, I do defend Taylor's honor with much vigor because you guys... Just tear into them and it's yeah, with my beard and my shit. Like, I'm <laughs> jealous is all yeah. that it is. Dude, nobody's jealous of that. I'm, yeah. I have some things I'm jealous of with Taylor. That's not it, dude. Hey, Rob, hey, uh, they, Rob, they need say. to pay homage. They need to pay homage. <laughs> I will say, I will say, one of my favorite memories of Taylor with the beard is one of the best ever. So I can't shit on the beard anymore. I got to be honest, Matt. I can't do it with you anymore. Okay, I'll ride the, solo with it. Yeah, okay. you ride solo with it. I'm telling <laughs> he you. He has conviction. I respect yeah, that. But. I got Taylor's wife on my side. Like, I ain't scared. <laughs> I will tell you this. The first time I fucking laid my eyes on him when he was in jail, he had that shitty beard, but the best fucking grin I've ever seen because I knew he was fucking alive. And I knew he just was happy to see me. That was a great fucking moment. And he had Dude. that shit gaggly beard, but I'll yeah. take it. So, you know what? I'm done shitting on uh, your beard. How about Thank that? you. I will. I, I will have a truce. And, uh, I'm not in. I'm not. In, I'm I'm not I don't need like spiritual principles. Yeah, yeah. I don't need yeah. spiritual principles. So you might be right. Yeah, you're right. You're perfect. Never <laughs> take. <laughs> Can you bring Becca back in, please? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. What do you have for Rob? Rob, you're a fucking mad dog. I haven't seen you in forever. We gotta hang out. I know, I would love that. Brisket. Hey, maybe we need Brisket. to have, maybe we need to have a release album release party. Dude, I'll do an album release party. Dude, That'd actually awesome. I, I broke my guitar, but I'm trying to learn how to play guitar. So That's awesome. uh, you know a guy. Yeah, it dude, is Rob. the best thing to do if you are using your parents' home computer that doesn't have much power. Well, dude, I'm, I'm just trying to learn hobby. how to play Taylor Swift songs. I just want to be able to sit in my basement and be like, I was riding shotgun, my hair undone in the front seat of his car. I he really knows it. I think we're past the point of delirium. We're, we're, we're an hour and a half in people, and we're getting hey, listen, everybody. Rob's the man. Taylor's beard sucks. Josh is perfect. It's sobriety. Fox. Josh is play. perfect. Yay. <laughs> I love album coming out. I don't know if you knew that Friday. Uh, Matt, one more time for the people. You know what to say, dude. How can I top what I just did? That's just why, just dude, one last time. It I'm needs not to be perfect. You are sobriety. <laughs> <laughs> you know the guys. Sal, 